Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode four of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. And if you don't know by now, I'm Shannon Myers. And you've probably figured out that I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we wanted to remind you all that the views and opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliates unions, our guest unions or employers, and nobody but themselves. It's their own opinion. Hey, Shannon, I am so sorry to hear you're feeling under the weather. I don't know what it is. I have been isolating since March, as all of us have, and I still got a cold this morning. I'm just very lucky that I get to stay home, unlike our essential employees, because they've been out there working every single day. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of attention paid to essential workers during the early part of the pandemic, but now a lot of people seem to think the pandemic is over, and their views on these essential employees seem to be shifting. Luckily, we've got three of our local essential workers here to talk about that. First off, we've got Jim Bennett. He drives a bus. He's also on the executive board of the Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 757. Hi, Jim. Hey, good evening, Harold. How are you? And when you're driving, what part of the area do you drive in? C-Tran covers most of Clark County. We go from Yakult all the way down to uh, Camas, Washougal, and, and Vancouver. My personal route I drive, I'm, I'm up and down Highway 99 in the morning, and in the afternoons I run the Mill Plain Corridors. And we've got Dawn Merrick, who is a registered nurse in Vancouver. She's also the secretary treasurer for the local Washington State Nurses Association unit. Thanks for joining us, Dawn. Now, what unit do you work in as a nurse? I'm a resource team nurse or float pool nurse. So I float to various areas within the hospital and the clinics that the hospital supports. Most recently, since March, the majority of my shifts have been worked on the closed COVID units, either the medical patients or the intermediate patients that aren't quite sick enough to go to the ICU yet, but are not medical patients. And we've got Tracy Stanley, who's an IT customer support specialist at Lower Columbia College. She's the AFSCME Council 28 Washington Federation of State Employees Council Secretary and President of Washington Federation of State Employees Local 1400. Thanks for joining us, Tracy. Thank you, Harold. Hello, Shannon. Where is Lower Columbia College? Lower Columbia College is in Longview, Washington, just 40 miles north of the Oregon-Washington border, right off of I-5. A lot of people who may not have been paying attention to people in your positions started paying attention to you when the pandemic hit. What was it like those first few days when the pandemic was just ramping up? There were so many unknowns then. Um, they weren't entirely sure how it was transmitted. No one was clear on what sort of protective equipment we should be wearing. Many of us were very, very anxious because we weren't sure that we were necessarily using the right equipment. And of course, a lot of us, I have young kids at home. Um, my parents who are retired take care of them sometimes, so not wanting to get our family members sick. So there are a lot of unknowns at that point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um... 
I remember when it first uh, really started to get serious. Everybody's really scared and nobody knew anything. We're mingling with the public every day. Um, how does it spread? Can I get it? It was uh, a lot of fear, anger amongst the members, and uh, rightfully so. We were scrambling to find out information, and we went to CTRAN, and it's like, you know, some people want to wear masks, and like, oh, no, CDC doesn't say we mask. It was like stuff was changing daily. Tracy, I think when a lot of people think essential workers, they think about nurses like Dawn or bus drivers like Jim. Often, they don't think about the IT support staff in a college, but now as the pandemic has worn on and more and more of life has shifted online, we're realizing just how essential IT support is. What was your beginning of the pandemic like in your field? Well, for us in IT and in education in general, they responded immediately and shut classes down. People were not allowed on campus. Uh, people weren't allowed to come to school. So with the IT workers in our department, we continued to show up because we were trying to obtain technology. One of the big issues that we have is access. It's a common misnomer that everybody has access to technology and the internet. We had students that came to campus to use our computers, not because they just preferred to, they did it because they were homeless. And it was their only option. So for the beginning with us, I was scrambling trying to buy technology. Sourcing technology worldwide became just outrageous. Someone who knows all about how hard it is to source technology is our friend Shannon. You know how long it took her to get a headset that she could use to record this hey. podcast on? Harold, be nice. You know I'm sick. No, I'm just saying it was really hard for you to track down just a simple headset that you could plug into your computer. Yeah, actually, I couldn't find a headset. And I actually found one at a local Fred Meyer Union store, and it was the only one left. So even at this point, it's been how many months since this started? Being able to come up with resources is still an issue, especially for you, Don, in the hospital system, right? Yeah, at the beginning, the PPE shortage was a little bit more pronounced. We still struggle with it now. We never kind of know what we're going to get. So particularly for N95, they need to be fit tested specifically to a person to work correctly. We get whatever we can get so that we have them to wear with our patients. But different products fit differently and you need a different size depending on the product. So you might be off for a four-day stretch and come back and they're using a different product. The way that the hospital I work at looks at it is we're in the green if we have at least two weeks worth of PPE to support us. And I think we have had PPE of some sort. It's just that we don't necessarily know what kind to anticipate having. And Jim, what kind of supply issues have you been dealing with over at CTRAN? One of the big things we have is uh, we only have one fogger unit, which, you know, when the buses roll in at a typical non-COVID day, they come through and only certain times of the week do they get fogged down with disinfectant. Well, now there was a need to get these foggers. So it took us two or three months just to get some extra ones because big transit agencies, they needed more. So some of them were ordering 20 or 30. We needed two or three and it was two months before C-Train could even get their hands on these. It's been a lot slow coming because of the demand for the products out there. COVID caught everybody off guard and supplier warehouses just they got everything they had, just got pulled. 
uh, real fast. Tracy, where are you now at Lower Columbia College compared to where you were, say, six months ago? When it first hit, we scrambled. We all, a lot of us were working overtime. Now we've kind of settled into the routine. We're continuing to try to catch up with all the orders we've placed and we haven't received yet, but we're plugging along with configuring technology for people to take home. And it's also changed our support because now instead of just supporting the equipment that we configured and we built and we set up for a specific purpose, I get phone calls daily from people and I'm troubleshooting technology that I've never had my hands on. And how about you, Jim? I think people have, have a little bit more comfort level as far as safety goes. We worked with CTRAN installing these sneeze guards on the operators that close and shut. So there was a sense that CTRAN is, compared to a lot of transit agents across the country, uh, stepped up and we kept the pressure on and Things are still changing, but people feel a little more comfortable coming to work. I mean, our union is taking quite a toll. We've lost over 50 to 60 members from COVID, um, mostly in the New York City, New Jersey area and California. But uh, the first one was right here in Washington State. So when that happened, it really hit home and people were really, really concerned. I know. I appreciate all of our frontline essential workers who a lot of times actually are union members. When I'm Sitting at home, scared to go out to work, and my employer has given me an, an opportunity to work from home. You guys are out there. You don't run away. You don't hide. Without our essential workers, we wouldn't be continuing to move on in our community. So thank you, guys. You know, our operators, there's a lot of people that were scared, but, you know, a lot of them were like, hey, you know, this is my job. I got a job to do. We got to get people to where they go, and we're here to do our job and keep the country running. So I'm proud of every one of them for uh, coming to work every day and, and looking this uh, virus right in the face and just uh, getting people where they need to go. Well, Don, speaking of people who have a job to do and they do it, everybody has been looking at our healthcare workers with such a profound sense of gratitude because you want to talk about being on the front line. You folks are there. So what is your new normal like in the healthcare system? With COVID, we've had to do a lot of things differently. With a lot of places, it changes sometimes daily on what we're doing. Our new normal is we've been working short staff for, for quite a while because of all the other tasks that we're kind of taking on to support our community. So we have definitely a lot of nurses, and thank you to all of them that have been picking up extra and staying over. The WSNA supported us quite a bit at the beginning. They were there talking to the Department of Health, us things that we needed. Um, and they continue to negotiate for us to get co-language contracts for us so that we have specific language. I would say we're still settling into what COVID means. Um, we're getting into flu season with COVID mixed in, which makes a lot of us um, pretty apprehensive because flu season is very busy for us normally. In every community, flu season is always when hospitals are quite full. And that gets us to perhaps the most important question. What is it that you want our listeners to know to support you as we go into unknown territory? We still get patients that don't necessarily believe in COVID and haven't been wearing masks in the community. I've taken care of them for months. It is sometimes people that have no disease process to begin with that actually end up in the hospital and needing our support. 
So really still limiting when they're leaving the house, wearing a mask when you do leave the house, especially with all the holidays coming up. I know it's hard to not have those big gatherings, but it very much is a real thing. And um, just to protect themselves and protect the community to mask up, avoid going out. We're doing everything we can to make the environment that they may have to come into safe when they do come in to see us, but we can't do it alone. We all need to do it together and and show grace about it. You're talking to somebody, I got a beer. I hate wearing a mask, but you know what? I do it because my, my wife's got a compromised immune system. I don't want her getting sick, my kids. You know, we're in this together. This isn't going to go away in the next couple of days. And it's going to depend on all of us working together to get back to as close to normal as we were. So, This is the second time, Harold, during our podcast adventure that we have heard the word grace. And I'm glad you brought that up, Tracy, because we need grace, kindness, and patience when we are out in our community with our essential workers. And just remember that our essential workers are out there every day for us, working, keeping us safe. So let's do the same in return. Amen, sister. I could not agree more, Shannon. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Don Merrick, a registered nurse and secretary treasurer for her local Washington State Nurses Association unit. Tracy Stanley, who's an IT customer support specialist at Lower Columbia College, and also the secretary of AFSCME Council 28, Washington Federation of State Employees Council, and president of Washington Federation of State Employees Local 1400, and Jim Bennett. Executive Board Officer for Amalgamated Transunion 757, and he represents the workers at CTRAN. She's not that sick. I Actually, still got she it. She seems to be getting better. Have you noticed that? Anyway. And Jim Bennett, what Shannon said. Well, seriously, guys, thank you very much for being a part of it. Dear friends, this is Evan Papp from Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, arts, and culture. Based within the Washington, D.C. Beltway, you can find us at empathymedialab.com. We are a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, which is broadcasting working people's voices 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Check out our show and all the shows elevating the voice of working people throughout the world at laborradionetwork.org. Thanks for hanging out with us, working people. Someone else who is really interested in what essential workers are going through in our community is State Representative Sharon Wiley, who represents the 49th Legislative District, and she is joining us right now. Hi, Representative Wiley. Hi, how are you doing? So you are currently serving in the state legislature in Olympia, which for those of you who don't live here in Washington, is the state capital. You can probably give us some inside information as to what the legislature is trying to do to support some of these essential workers, right? I'm going to try. Right now, everybody's at home. We're not able to be in Olympia, and it looks like we'll have a remote session come January. But in order to have a remote session, we're going to have to have one in-person safe meeting to change the rules so that we can stay in compliance with the laws. Um, It's going to be a real challenge to make our work accessible and open. And we have some huge challenges with our budget. I'm on the Finance Committee, and we're going to be looking at 
replacement revenue through changes in our tax code. And then we're working to backfill our transportation budget and figure out what's necessary for safety and keeping the economy going and making sure people who don't have cars can get to work and can get around. We talk a lot about our essential workers in our hospitals and our healthcare facilities and our grocery stores, but home care workers have been visiting people and taking care of them and getting them their food and cleaning their houses and changing their sheets and doing all that necessary work. And we don't talk about those people. One of the people that's really close to my family is one of those workers. And she's got a little baby. She's got a husband that's laid off. Some of those workers weren't able to get their protective equipment um, in a timely manner. And I found out we had a stockpile through our emergency services department, and I was able to get the word out to the nursing homes and the places that hire those workers that they could get that equipment. They didn't have to wait. Our governor has been trying to make sure that people open safely. And as you all know, there's been a lot of pushback from people that don't want to wear masks and want to believe that we're not going through what we're going through. But I, one of my daughter's friends was the youngest person um, in this community to die. He was only 34 years old. You know, there's never been a more important time to hang together and help each other and be there for each other. And it's so difficult. So this past week, there was a rally in one of our areas, Camas, and it was hundreds of people with no masks. And you just talked about how we are supposed to be helping our community and wear masks. And I'm high risk. I have autoimmune disease. I've had pneumonia twice. You know, I will be wearing a mask for quite some time. And I know that people are talking about less government, less intrusion. But for somebody like me, it's life and death. I'm curious, what kind of accountability can we do, Sharon? I'm sorry, Representative Wiley. What can we do? Um, works for me. Because this worries me. It worries me. It worries my kids. So what can we do? Oh, that's the $50,000 question. I do believe that many people are complying and are making sure that their friends and neighbors and family are okay. The media, you know, covers the exception rather than the rule. They cover what gets people's attention and outrage going What we need to know and remember is that it's never going to be as bad as it looks. Just like the partisan divide in our state isn't as bad as Washington, D.C., and it isn't as bad as it looks during the campaign season. The reality is that most people are trying to do the right thing, and if they know the right thing, they try to do it. You mentioned the fact that we are in campaign season. And you are running to retain your seat to represent the 49th Legislative District. Let's talk about that. First off, for those people who don't live in this area, where is the 49th District? It's the city of Vancouver, Washington. um, Goes north to 134th, where I-5 and 205 converge. It goes west to the Vancouver Lake area. Goes south to the Columbia River. And it goes east to Highway 205. So it's kind of a rough pyramid. And Vancouver is the only actual city in it. I've got two wonderful seatmates, and we are an incredible team. People in other parts of the state envy us our ability to work together here in Clark County. And we've got a long tradition of that. You said seatmates. What do you mean when you refer to My seatmates? My is Annette Cleveland. Each district has one senator and two state representatives. 
And my other representative is Representative Monica Stonier. Who was actually on the first episode of our podcast. And she talked about this Wi-Fi issue, Sharon. So I think that if you two and Annette and maybe a couple others get together and talk about Wi-Fi for everyone, maybe you guys can get that done. I think the government's going to have to step up and provide that last mile to connect all of the communities. Once we do that piece, there'll be lots of competition to provide affordable internet everywhere. And we're going to have to make sure that part of what we fund is the ability to make sure everybody is equally connected. So you mentioned that a large part of the 49th is the city of Vancouver. It is. What are some of the issues that you hear from your constituents that you advocate for up in Olympia? I think we've had some really strong leadership here in Clark County on creatively and community-wide dealing with our homeless issues. We've realized that not every community has the same flavor of issues related to homelessness. We also have to piece together a budget for our transportation. The pandemic has cut out travel and a lot of the sources of funding. We're going to have to look at other sources. It's a complex picture, and so we've been having meetings, online meetings, with every possible stakeholder group and local government group talking about not just what's your priority and how do you pay for it and what kind of taxes are you willing to consider, but we're also putting a racial equity lens on how we talk about infrastructure because a lot of our freeways have bisected communities of color and poor people have split up their communities. And as we go forward, we're going to try to do a better job of including those voices that have not spoken in the past and figuring out how to bring those folks to the table. Speaking of freeways, right now, Vancouver is going through quite the freeway event with the interstate bridge that connects Oregon and Washington under repair. I know you've been kind of instrumental in looking at replacing that bridge, haven't you? Right. And if certain people hadn't killed the last effort, we wouldn't be doing expensive repairs. We'd be enjoying the use of a new bridge. It would have been built and we wouldn't have had to spend the millions of dollars replacing the trunnions, which is what's going on right now. And I think we've got maybe another week of disruption on that. And we are still continuing our work. Our last meeting with our Oregon compatriots actually was supposed to happen during the fires. And um, one of the senators from Oregon, their house burned down during the fires. And they're part of our team to try to come up with a proposal to replace that bridge that we can all get behind and make it happen this time. Well, that sounds like a lot of issues that you're looking to bring back to Olympia when you win this election. So if people want to support your run to retain your seat, where would they go? They can find out a lot more about my issues and help in my campaign by going on my website, which is electsharon.com. S-H-A-R-O-N, only one R. So electsharon.com. Correct. And don't forget to vote all the way down the ballot because that's where you will find Sharon Wiley, Representative 49th. And don't give up. There's good people, and uh, we need to stick together. Thanks for joining us, Representative Wiley. And thank you for joining us, Working People, for another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And remember, this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. That's right. 
And hey, this is your show, Working People in Southwest Washington and around the world. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And please, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe. And be sure to treat the people who are helping you the way you'd like to be treated. We'll see you next week. Bye.